what a day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, back with you. Hour number two of the show. Thanks for joining us on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We're brought to you by AnyTiresPlus.com, conveniently located off the corner of Lake Mead and Boulder Highway, the only place to get a smog because it's only $5.95 at AnyTiresPlus. How could you not do that? Do not overpay for anything. You need tires. You need a smog. Go to AnyTiresPlus.com. Also, complimentary road hazard protection. For 24 months with the purchase of any new complete set of tires at AnyTiresPlus.com. My buddy Frank, who's been a long-term partner of my show, is ready to work with you and help you out. AnyTiresPlus.com. Busy hour coming up. Vinny Bonsignor, our teammate here on Raider Nation Radio and the Las Vegas Review-Journal, uh, will have a conversation about everything. He covered the Rams for many years, and the Rams built the super team and won the Super Bowl. Vinny knows a lot of players Behind the scenes there. Also, George Sedano from ESPN with all this LeBron James news. It seems like a divorce could be happening in L.A. with LeBron James or possibly not. We'll get the story on the flagship from George Sedano. And then Meta, Sanford Artest. Used to be just Ron Artest, Meta World Peace. He's going to join us. He is hard to track down. He knows it. I know it. I've interviewed him many times. So we'll try to thread the needle there and keep it going here on Raider Nation Radio. Yesterday I played in the Raider Foundation golf tournament out at Wynn Golf Course. Game changer. Seeing that golf course. Great people there. Raiders doing what they do best. Working with their top clients, partners for an amazing experience. It was really cool. And a lot of Raider legends were there. You know, when you're on a golf course in different holes and you see Tim Brown Marcus Allen, Willie Galt, Jim Plunkett, Raymond Chester, Kirk Morrison. There are a lot of big guns that they brought in for that, and they all love Vegas. And they're all having a good time, and they're all pretty excited about what's about to happen for the Raiders. There's not much news on the Raider front other than we're expecting all the coaches to be introduced formally as they're building that staff, and then an opportunity to hear from Dave Ziegler a couple of times before the draft with the combine coming up. The Raiders go into the combine with kind of the same needs that they've had for a couple of years here. I think the biggest need is the offensive line. Last year, they started off the season with a lot of question marks on the offensive line, and they remain question marks the entire season. Some days they played okay, other days they were average, some days below average. I believe that the Raiders will target a big name offensive lineman in free agency. The Raiders can't afford to swing and miss on an offensive line draft pick, especially where they're picking. There's no guarantees there. The only guarantee is to go after someone with a proven track record. Raiders are looking for a speed-wide receiver after the tragedy of Henry Ruggs that killed Tina Tintor. They need a wide receiver who would break away speed, who can make plays. Devontae Adams would be that player, but he would be very costly, very costly to go out and get him. And I think the Raiders, as always, depending on what happens with Casey Hayward, the growth of Trayvon Mullen, they need a corner. They need a star cornerback in this league who can catch the football, who can catch the football and intercept it. They need that. They need it desperately. 
Lester Hayes and Eric Allen aren't walking through that door. Raiders need a player like this that they know for four or five years can start at corner and make plays. I think a big question mark with Jonathan Abram at safety. Trayvon Merrick should be a staple with this organization for years to come. And we all know that the Raiders are looking for linebackers. Of the last two linebackers they went out and got, I don't think lived up to the hype. Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton. I thought, you know, Nick Kwiatkowski, decent player. He wasn't available. And Corey Littleton just didn't play well. And maybe a new system can change all of that. With Patrick Graham, the GM, maybe he could get, excuse me, the defensive coordinator, maybe he could get something out of him. Something out of him that could get him back to where he was with the Rams. Because we don't see that. Uh, big news today, everybody is waiting on the edge. Looks like Troy Aikman will choose ESPN over Amazon. The decision of Troy Aikman to choose ESPN over Amazon now creates an opening for Amazon to go out and sign Sean McVay if he'll retire as the head coach of the Rams. Look, I think this is insanity that a guy that's 36 years old would consider retiring after winning a Super Bowl. But he can make more money as a broadcaster working on a a special new platform in Amazon. Al Michaels is expected to become the play-by-play announcer for Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime. Reportedly, he wanted Troy Aikman as his partner. Andrew Marchand of the New York Post reports that Amazon could now turn to Rams coach Sean McVay. I mean, this could be just a monumental broadcasting move. With Chris Collinsworth left back at NBC. Previously, Marchand reported that ESPN would be interested in McVay if McVay were to leave the Rams. However, McVay wouldn't be interested in leaving the Rams for the mere possibility of a network gig. Someone will have to come after him aggressively and make him an offer that he can't refuse. And the Rams owner, Stan Kroenke, wouldn't match. Reports are the only company available to do that would be Jeff Bezos, the richest man in this country at Amazon, and he would write the check. Tony Romo was making $18 million per year for a much more limited workload than that job of an NFL head coach. Aikman reportedly will make as much or as more from ESPN, and if Amazon were to offer something similar to McVay, he'd be foolish not to listen. So this is crazy, what's happened here. And I don't know, I I would think that Sean McVay wouldn't want to do this because he's got a really good team and he'd want to roll it back and go after another Super Bowl. Why wouldn't you? He's already coached in two Super Bowls. He's one and one. Why wouldn't he want to go out and do it again? And then if he doesn't do it, go back. That job will always be available. I find that fascinating. Like your opinion on this too. Who do you like better between Aikman, Romo, Collinsworth? And remember, Sean McVay, if he comes in, the other guy coming in is Sean Payton. I don't think Sean Payton's going to be an analyst. I think he's going to be more of a studio guy. But did you ever think in your lifetime, if, you, if you're old enough to remember Howard Cosell and how great Howard Cosell was, and Howard Cosell wasn't an athlete. He was a journalist. He was just a talking head back in the day, and he was the best of the best. John Madden came along. May he rest in peace. John Madden was a football coach when he started off. He didn't know much, didn't know much at all, and turned out to be one of the most important broadcasters in sports history. And let's not forget John Gruden. John Gruden came from being a coach, didn't know what camera to look at, and he became one of the most successful broadcasters 
in the history of Monday Night Football behind Howard Cosell. So John Gruden proved that you could jump in as a coach and quickly get on TV and be really good. And John Gruden, that's Sean McVay's mentor. Sean McVay's tree is John Gruden. Maybe he's getting advice from him. I'm not privy to that. Can you imagine if Sean McVay quits and goes to TV on Amazon, not even a network, and they pay him $15 million bucks a year? I think it's for real. He would have to consider something like that. 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. Uh, big show tomorrow. And then tomorrow night, Metallica and Billy Joel. Which concert are you going to? Raider Nation, any tailgates for Metallica? Anybody want to hook a brother up? Where are we drinking some Modellos? Is there a Modelo Cantina Club outside or inside? Where are we getting after it? Love it. Metallica playing tomorrow night. Billy Joel Saturday night. Thanks to Mark Davis, who had a vision, had to help build the Legion Stadium. Now supergroups want to play there. Our teammate is kind enough to join us here on Raider Nation Radio, Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, a great NFL insider. And, Vinny, before we get to the Raiders, I want to just talk about the Rams and McVay and them winning the Super Bowl. You were there when they brought about this concept to Los Angeles and the league about a super team. How do you think they pulled it off? Yeah, well, um, first and foremost, you know, they, they draft and develop so well. And, obviously, you know, Aaron Donald kind of epitomizes that. But but it goes beyond that. It's It's being able to – look beyond that first round, which they've kind of turned their back on to go get your uh, Jalen Ramsey's and your Matthew Stafford's and Brandon Cook's before him. And, uh, you know, so and they, they, they don't look to the first round. They look to use the first round to go get established players. And they can do that because they have a belief in themselves in finding the Cooper Cups beyond the first round and so many others and being able to draft and develop those guys that's the core of the team that's in and around the high price players are able to go get and sign if they don't have the second element of that which is the ability to find hidden talent throughout the draft then it doesn't matter how many Aaron Donalds or Jalen Ramsey's you're able to get they're just really good players on an otherwise bad team um, it's what they do in those later rounds the end uh, you know undrafted free agency that really builds the backbone of the team. And so when I, I always have to laugh when people say the Rams are all in, well, they've been all in since 2017 and yet they still keep being able to rebuild and replenish around their star players. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. You know, Vinny, it's amazing how even when it comes together, it still might not result in a championship. The bomb from Stafford deep to cup against Brady and what that connection meant to set up the victory and then a 15-play drive to win the Super Bowl. If one of those balls gets tipped, if there's a strip sack fumble, anything happens, they lose, and everybody's saying, hey, they built a dream team, a super team, and they couldn't get it done. Even with that, it takes everything for it to come together perfectly. I want to talk about how clutch they were in the Super Bowl on that 15-play drive because I think it's going to go down top five, maybe top six or seven drives in Super Bowl history. They had to be perfect to go win that game. They did, and to add one more layer to that, if the San Francisco 49ers hang on to an interception, we're probably right. talking about them getting knocked out in the championship game too. So, so much has to go right, uh, and I agree with you. It's so interesting about that 15-play drive because if you go back a couple of years, 
to when they played the New England Patriots. It was a low-scoring game. Obviously, the Patriots win 13-3. to But it's a tie game uh, into the fourth quarter, and the Patriots run off a very similar clutch 14- or 15-play drive to score the touchdown and ultimately win the game uh, for the Patriots. So they kind of turned the tables um, and, and were able to do exactly what the Patriots did to them this time against the Cincinnati Bengals. When they needed to have it, they came up big. They held on to the ball. They, com- they converted a fourth down. Obviously, Cooper Cup comes alive. They protect Matthew Stafford just enough. And remember, they were doing this without Odell Beckham. Once he went out of the game and – while he was in the game, he looked like he was headed to MVP honors himself uh, rather than, you know, Cooper Cup. But once he went out of the game, it changed everything that the Rams Rams were doing offensively. They had to figure out a way, and he didn't quite figure it out until they absolutely had to, and that was in the fourth quarter game-winning drive. It was really eerily similar to what the Patriots did them to them a couple of years ago to beat them in the Super Bowl in Atlanta. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. So, Vinny, as we look at the quarterback carousel, here in Vegas, you covered Derek Carr, but there's a coaching change with Josh McDaniels coming in for Rich Passaccia, and before that, John Gruden, and it was the Gruden system with all of his coaches, which Carr was getting comfortable with, having the same coordinator, the same head coach for a number of years. So what are you sensing with Derek Carr? We're not hearing the chatter like we have in the past couple of years. It seems like this would be a good fit for McDaniels to take this job and have a legitimate, very good, borderline elite quarterback to take the Raiders to the next level. Yeah, I think that uh, Derek Carr is really jazzed up. Nothing against Rich Passaccia or the previous staff. Uh, But I know that when Josh McDaniels' name started really – um, gaining some steam with the Raiders, uh, just talking to some people in and around Derek Carr, they were really excited about that. That was the one name that really got them jazzed up. Um, so uh, I expect that to be a really good relationship. And I think that with Josh McDaniels uh, and in the system that he's going to bring here, uh, I, I truly believe that he feels he could win and win big with the Derek Carr. And it's interesting because – Last year, when the Rams uh, hosted the Raiders in Thousand Oaks in August for a joint practice, I remember driving in Los Angeles to their practice facility, and on the radio, I kept hearing uh, Los Angeles Sports Radio talk about Matthew Stafford and saying, wow, we looked at his numbers compared to Derek Carr, and they're eerily similar. Like, did the Rams just trade for Derek Carr, uh, somebody that does what Derek Carr does? And they were almost saying that negatively. But lo and behold, it showed you what Matthew Stafford did, that if you put a really good team around a good quarterback, a good enough quarterback, you can win a Super Bowl. And I think that that bodes well for Derek Carr because on his good days, he's every bit as good as Matthew Stafford is. And, uh, but because of the situation that he's been in, just like the position that Matthew Stafford was in Detroit, you're not going to win even with a good quarterback if you don't have the supporting cast around him. I think Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler understand what they have in in Derek Carr, and they understand it's on them to improve around him. And if they do, they're going to be in a pretty good position to to take that next step with Derek Carr as their quarterback. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. So, Vinny, when we were together in L.A. for the Super Bowl, you know, that quarterback carousel, everybody starts talking about it, and it's heating up. 
I'll just start with Aaron Rodgers now. And the headline at Pro Football Talk recently was Brian Guttenhurst claims he never promised to trade Rodgers. You saw the cryptic Instagram post the other night and then all the talk about it. He's expecting to have a window to be traded. Now, he's not going to get traded within the division to the Vikings, if, even if Kirk Cousin left. The Packers don't have to do him that favor. But what are your sources telling you about him having the trust that if Denver wants to step up and do that deal, that Green Bay will cooperate and not hold it up asking for something silly on the other end? Yeah, well, they're going to ask for something silly, and they deserve to get it, too. That's the, that's the whole part of the um, uh, equation is that they're not going to just let him walk. Whatever they made to Aaron Rodgers, I can assure you they they didn't promise, oh, we're just going to let you go wherever you want and get, you know, pennies on the dollar. That's not how this works. They're going to have to get something that represents the player that they're going to be training. And if the Denver Broncos or anybody else steps up uh, with that type of an offer and the Packers are doing good by Aaron, Aaron Rodgers – they're obviously going to listen and, and maybe pull the trigger. I'm not so sure that we're quite there yet. It feels like something's imminent in terms of the divorce between the Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers, but he certainly isn't there yet to, to openly declare that. And we haven't seen the, the Packers kind of come out and, and indicate, uh, you know, what kind of hand they're going to, they're going to play. But I'll say this, the scouting combines next week, the general managers and coaches, for every team is going to be out uh, in Indianapolis. I would think that there's something's going to come out next week, if not a little bit before, that sheds some light on what direction this is all going to head in and whether somebody is willing to pay the price that it's going to take to get Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. Because if I'm the Packers, I'm not just giving them away. You can't. You cannot just mm-hmm. give away yeah. the reigning MVP and somebody that puts you on the doorstep of the Super Bowl every single year. Great to talk to you, Vinny. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you. All right, JT. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you. Vinny Bonsignor, catch him every day here. After Q on Raider Nation Radio. You know, Vinny, Vinny had a job before he came and started covering the Raiders, and I think he does a really good job. He's in the know. He's got great contacts, people that he could pick up the phone and talk to, and he was covering the Rams as the Rams came up with that concept, as he talked about, to build this super team, and it doesn't work for everybody. And normally, if you go back to the legends of all time, Al Davis helped Tom Flores and John Madden with amazing drafts, build super teams. And then they went after all these great players who were let go by other teams. And they weren't a fit with their team, and they came to the Raiders, and all of a sudden it peaked. You know, Ted Hendricks was a great player. But then he came to the Raiders and became an instant Hall of Famer. You start looking about the players you add along the way. Uh, Look who Coach Flores had winning two Super Bowls and the players that they picked up and added to the roster. And Al Davis threaded the needle. He did it perfectly. It's hard to do it. Bill Belichick has done it very well. And there are years where people question Belichick and the draft. But what I think was really interesting to me is this past offseason. As Tom Brady already won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, there was a lot of pressure from the media on New England. What is New England going to do? What is New England going to try to do? What do they want to do? And what I thought was interesting is they went out and they flipped the entire roster. They went out and got free agents. They made all these radical moves, and they were so confident in Mac Jones when they drafted him. That's the player they wanted. There are a lot of other quarterbacks I thought better than Mac Jones, and Mac Jones played at a very high level because of Josh McDaniels getting him ready to play. Got him in the playoffs. 
got him to beat Buffalo in a game where he only threw the ball three times and was two of three for 19 yards. Why? They were able to run the ball. Josh McDaniels called every play in that game. You think Mac Jones called the play in that game? No, it was all Josh McDaniels. So they were able to figure out and have a hybrid type of team. Build it with Dave Ziegler on that staff, too, with Bill Belichick. Build it through the draft. But last year they tweaked it and they got more aggressive, and it worked. I wonder what those gentlemen are going to bring to the Raiders. Are they going to do what they did in their last draft, in their last year with New England before they came to the Raiders and get a little bit more aggressive? Or are they going to come to the Raiders and say, we just started here, our families haven't even moved here, our kids aren't even moved into schools, we're going to take our time, do it our way. Do it our way via the draft, do it our way and do it right. We don't know. They might go, they might go crazy and start signing Devontae Adams and start bringing in free agents. Or they could trade back in the draft and accumulate more draft equity and do it that way. It'll be interesting to see. But the Raider Nation has their back. Meta Sandiford, our test. What a basketball player he was. And he's a coach now. He'll join us next. Have you seen enough from, from this group when it's been as together as it has been to be like, we can get to this level, or is it still more an on-paper thing um, where you think that uh, if things go right, we can get to this level? I mean, I feel like that's a question you ask me after every game. You don't know. We have no idea what this team can be of. And when you have, you know, you know Trev, who was his first, just the second game back, um, no K-9, um, I missed, you know, a, a bunch of games. Now AD's out. You know, and a bunch of guys in protocol or head coaches out. So how can we really fully assess what we have? I can't remember the last time, you know, you know, played the same starting lineup, had the same rotation come off the bench. It's been a long time. Where would we be without Laker talk, right, after football season? And the Lakers are in the news, no doubt about it. LeBron doesn't know what this team could be. What is that all about? LeBron built this team. They built this team to be a super team. That's exactly what the Lakers did. Lakers are trying to build the super team. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Grimaldi's. Best pizza I've ever had with two concerts this weekend and friends staying at my house. Grimaldi's will be served. Grimaldi's, five locations in the Valley. I get the Brooklyn Bridge pizza. I think you'll love the Caesar salads, the desserts, everything they do. Longtime partner of our show, Grimaldi's, right here throughout Vegas. I've been interviewing this gentleman for many years. He's kind enough to join us again. Meta Sandiford, our test. Meta, thanks for coming on. And we got to begin. Tell us about the name, your wife's name. I'm loving this. How'd you come up with that? Well, I was, you know, just my wife's last name, Sandiford. So we just decided to share the same last name. You know, and it kind of worked out. It was really cool, actually. Could anything make a wife met him more happy than that is that the ultimate love and connection between a man and a woman being able to share the name that's beautiful absolutely man i mean it was fun we got married three years ago we've been together 10 years and you know we just decided to get married and yeah it was great kind of cool you know, I've been catching you on a lot of the Lakers broadcast i think you do a great job on the post game with james worthy and the team and what were your expectations real expectations when the team was put together, Westbrook and Carmelo, Anthony Davis and LeBron, because a lot of people made mistakes on this and 
thought the team would be that much better. What did you see initially, and what concerns you now? Yeah, well, initially I saw a really good team. I, I, I thought that it might be some issues um, with the chemistry in the beginning, but I thought that it was the type of team that don't win the finals by, you know, 20 points a game. I thought it was the type of team that wins in a game six or game seven and the finals by five points because they can grind it out. And that type of team needs everyone because they're older. So I, I, it, it is the right team, but with the injuries, that's really killing them. Matt, uh, the injuries are one thing, but you were a four-time all-defensive player. T- tell me back to your St. John's days where I followed you, and you just were a guy that was born to play defense and ferocious defense. How hard is it to teach an NBA player, a professional to play defense, or even later in their career, in the beginning of their career. Thibodeau really struggling with the Knicks on certain nights. Why do certain players just not buy in and bring that defensive energy every night? Well, I think you can do it. I think the bench is something that teaches people lessons. And anytime, you know, when I coach, I use the bench. I don't care who it is. Um, You know, it could be a Hall of Famer or it could be anybody. I don't care. The bench, the bench is the best teacher. Let's stay with that. I love that. So you think going to the bench humbles someone to potentially play better defense, or it gets a defense, it gets a player on the bench hungrier to get out there and try to become a starter. I mean, it's the best teacher because you want to play, right? Like, yeah. And, and you got to have a balance, right? So you don't want to overkill anyone, you know, on the court by running them and having them do college you know, over over aggressive college defense in the NBA. But, you know, if you're a one through five year player, I'm gonna expect something different. If you're a five through ten year player, I'll expect something different. You know, if you're a, a ten through fifteen year player, I'll expect something different. And if you're a fifteen through nine through through twenty year player, I'm gonna expect something different. You know what I'm saying? So from that perspective, you're gonna give me what I want <laughs> in practice and yeah. the game. <laughs> you know, or I'm getting fired or you're going to the bench, one or the other. That's simple. But- Meta Sandiford, our test joins us. Meta, the other thing with Russell Westbrook, I'm one of his fans, and you know from being in L.A. and hearing there's certain pundits that say he shouldn't shoot in the fourth quarter, he's a liability at certain ports of the game. I think he is one of the greats of all time, a top player of all time, and I like his energy. And I think that could there be a chance this second half, we're past it, but going down the stretch, that something clicks with him and the Lakers can become a much better team because Russ takes his game to a much higher level? Well, you know, if you're Russell Westbrook, you have to shoot the ball. And anybody that says you don't shoot the ball, you know, in the fourth quarter, whatever you say, that that's not going to work. That, that don't even make sense because you have to take um, in-rhythm shots. It's very important to shoot. It doesn't matter how bad you shoot because you always have LeBron James and Anthony Davis to bail you out anyway, right? So you want to take the shot that's in rhythm because then you're in position to get a good offensive rebound for the team, right? You take in rhythm shots, that ball just hit the rim soft. You don't have to make shots. That's what people don't really understand. You don't have to make all your shots. You just got to take good shots, and they have to miss good. You know what I'm saying? So a wrestler, I would encourage him to keep shooting. You know, uh, Russell's not Stephen Perry. He's Russell Westbrook, you know? Another one, I'm fat. 
Yeah, what I've been dying to ask you is when ESPN came out, they looked at the top 75 and they ranked them 75 to 1. And you being in the media now, you know how that works. You know, Carmelone in his 20s, why not down in 15, whatever it is. You played against a lot of these guys. The fact that I think LeBron has plenty of time left, at least three or four years, I always thought to catch Jordan because he's going to lap him statistically by a lot. But is it fair to say that LeBron could never be Michael Jordan because he doesn't play the defense at any level that you played at, let alone Michael Jordan, one of the greatest defenders of all time? <laughs> LeBron's just a little older. He's incredible. He's a little older, but he's um for sure playing defense at a high level. Mm-hmm. I mean, not right now. I mean, he's, he's, he's 19 years in the league. So that's really difficult to do. You know what I'm saying? But from that perspective, you know, when you talk about that big block he had on Iguodala, you know, he, he's a scorer. LeBron is a strong scorer. Some people just play defense. Some people play both. Michael Jordan played defense and offense. You know, but he's different. He, you know, LeBron is a better passer than Michael. Michael's a better defender than LeBron. LeBron's a better shot blocker than Michael. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Michael never lost in the finals. These, these guys are different. But LeBron's been there 10 times. You know what I'm saying? So they're just a little bit different. They're just not the same. You know what I'm saying? Not not the same people, but you know, from that perspective, I think um I think that they both are incredible. Um it is really hard, but the, the the thing is Michael Jordan left and retired. And every time he came well, the first time he came back, mm-hmm. went to the playoffs and he won. You know what I'm saying? Then he retired again. I mean this this guy's just incredible. You know, he's six six championships and and retires after he wins the title. So that means he, he didn't even give a chance himself a chance to win another one. I personally think Michael would have had ten rings. Personally. Yeah, I, I think, think that's I think that's years. fair to say. Meta Sandefort, our test, yeah. joining us as we wrap it up. Seems like you got a lot of coaching left in you and you're having success in the number two media market broadcasting. What are your goals coming up here? What are your big decisions? What do you want to do next? Well, you know, I'm doing a lot of basketball. When I was in the Lakers in 2015 and 16, after practice, I was going to coach the high school, uh, Palisades High School with Coach Torino Johnson as an assistant coach where we were back-to-back champions um, while I was playing. Then I coached the G League, did that. I coached Drew League for about 17 years, still coaching, coaching local adults in Los Angeles, women and men. Currently, high school tryouts and practices every week. And I'm coaching Cal State uh, in you know Los Angeles with Coach Torino Johnson. I'm assistant coach there. We're currently in third place, and um, I'm hungry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm honing my skills up, uh, you know, to be a head coach and to win a title in the NBA. That's my goal. That's fantastic. You do. It feels. I feel like I'm talking to a coach. On a personal note, for me, from Long Island, New York, and a diehard, lifelong Knicks fan, how come the Knicks can't recruit? How come the I know taxes, there are taxes in LA. How come the Knicks can't recruit and get players? Forget about the draft. Sometimes the draft pick doesn't work out. Why don't more legends at the end of their career or middle of their career, when they can get out of a deal, want to play at the Mecca in the garden where you played and, and be a king of New York? How come they can't pull this off? I mean, I, th- I think it's fairly easy to do. I, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking, listen, I never coached in the NBA, right? So I can't say how hard or how easy it is. Um, I love New York. You know, I'm from New York City. And I just think that it's, 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 it's you know, coaching the team that you have. 
I'm not worried. I don't. I'm not. If I'm coaching, I'm not worried about receiving a star or a legend. If they're not there now, I'm just worried about winning a title with the team that I have. You know, you develop the team that you have. You develop, just like the Golden State Warriors did with Curry and mm-hmm. Clay and Draymond, they developed those guys. Harrison Barnes. You know what I'm saying? And that's what you work with. Focus on that. Don't focus on any star. You know, any you know legend player. Just focus on what you have. And you like the uh, Detroit Pistons. Ben Wallace, Ben Wallace, second round pick. You know what I'm saying? Got to Detroit, and they 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 created stars. You don't need a star. You know you can create stars by putting in the work, teaching them how to play, helping them improve, improving the team, winning the title, and that's it. Fabulous, Meta. I hope we can do this again. Fantastic conversation. Appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Meta Sandiford Artest. Nice. Nice when you get a chance to talk to people like that. And what blows me away about where he's at now in his life is that he loves to coach. He'll coach anybody. He'll coach pickup. He'll coach high school. He'll help people in the G League. And he's really well-versed in the styles of coaching and especially defense. And I love the fact that he believes, and not many people do anymore, that you can develop an NBA player and make him a star. Many people believe that you got to get a star and then hopefully retain that star. You have to get Kevin Durant. You hope that Zion, you take him number one, develops into a superstar. But the job of these coaches are to take players who get drafted in the second round, end of the first round, and coach them up. Get them to a point where they become an all-star. Isn't that the job of professional coaches and what they do? And if you're coaching in the NBA, you ever watch an NBA game, how many guys are on the bench? There's like six or seven assistant coaches. What are they there to do? Just rebound free throws? No. Get these guys to take their game to the next level. Ron Artest was a great player when he played at St. John's. Really good. Got to the NBA, was a part of the malice at the Palace, and we talked about that at length in the past. Then bounced around the league, and then with Kobe and the Lakers won a championship and hit one of the biggest shots in Laker history. That's a good player. Very great. A great defender. Very good player. And I'm happy he was able to join us on Raider Nation Radio. Another guy who knows football and basketball and a good radio host, George Sedano from ESPN in L.A. on this Laker controversy and the Rams winning. And he just loves Vegas anyway, so we'll get into that. George Sedano on deck Friday into Metallica tomorrow. Maybe we'll do something special with Metallica. Bobby, find out if there's any Metallica tickets lying around that one office there. Maybe we could help somebody out. Now the Lakers have missed their last eight threes, so maybe getting back downhill, find that guy in the yes. post. Oh, oh no. boy, that did not look good. Anthony Davis is writhing in pain and grabbing his lower right leg. Man, that was rough when Anthony Davis went down. He's going to be out a month total, and that's a serious injury. JT, back with you as we continue today on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. We thank all of our great partners here on the radio, including Resorts World, Doghouse Saloon. My wife last night went to the Luke Bryan concert, and right after that with some girlfriends into Doghouse. It's probably five feet away from the theater. Right when you come out of the theater at Resorts World, Doghouse is there. That's where they have their sports book, great food, great drinks, and that's our home for Monday Night Football and a lot more that we're going to do. 
George Sedano, my good friend, joins me in Los Angeles. His radio show is on ESPN LA, frequent contributor, and we appreciate a few minutes of your time today. George, I want to know what's it like on the ground in LA with all this LeBron talk and what could happen there. Feels like a divorce is pending. What do Laker fans think of this? I think Laker fans are just throwing their hands up, JT. Like, they are just like, can we just end the season already? Because it just feels like this is going nowhere. And now these alleged battle lines have been drawn, uh, although LeBron's camp has been saying that's not the case. Look, I covered LeBron James for a long time. I'm not trying to sit here and say that what's been reported is inaccurate. But all I know is that if he wanted something and it wasn't done, then he's not going to be thrilled about that. It doesn't mean he's not going to get over it. It doesn't mean that they, the two sides can't reconcile or find more common ground. But I, I think Rob Palinka erred uh, in a number of fronts, but particularly when he went and told the media that there was alignment between him and LeBron. Uh, and then um, our own Dave McMiniman here at ESPN, who covers the Lakers for us, reported that that was, quote, totally false. Uh, based on a source close to LeBron. So I think what really upset LeBron was more along the lines of, wait, you didn't do anything. I wanted you to do something. And then you told the media that we were on the same page. And clearly that wasn't the case. So I I think that actually created a bigger stir here than it needed to. Had Palinka just said, yeah, we didn't do anything. And, you know, the players uh, understood our position. If he would have just phrased it that way, we probably wouldn't have had all this drama that we've been talking about for days. George, what could have been, though? You have to move contracts and match them, or you have to get these smaller contracts and mid-levels. And I've always thought if the Lakers wanted to tweak with chemistry, you know, move out a couple of guys on the bench for a couple of good bench players on other teams, and maybe it clicks more. Vogel does a better job at moving those players in, and the Lakers have better chemistry in a different rotation. Not much of that happened. We know everybody knew you couldn't match Westbrook's contract with anybody other than John Wall or a few contracts there that I don't know could have made the Lakers any better. Yeah, uh, JT, I, I, I get what you're saying. I just don't think that there was a lot of interest in those okay. players that the Lakers have on the bench, you know, that are rotation-type players. And I think that's part of the problem is that this roster – was built poorly. That's just it. Like, there's no way around it. And, you know, I'm not putting that solely on one person. Uh, I know that this team and the franchise moves as a collective, and they have historically, uh, in LeBron's time, worked in unison with LeBron and AD on how to create a a roster or, you know, have input on the roster, however you want to phrase it. So there's a lot of people to blame here and you know it felt like there was a lot of finger pointing over the last couple of days and now they're trying to get that under wraps and kind of have it subside some but yeah the roster's just flawed JT and and that's been the case like I'll tell you this in the preseason I thought to myself there is not a player on the planet that LeBron James can't make it work with on the floor now could there be guys that he has issues with like we know about the history of him and Kyrie etc whatever fine but on the court no way So I I thought to myself, as long as Anthony Davis is healthy and LeBron's healthy and Russell Westbrook can just even be, you know, 75% of what we've seen in the past and be somewhat efficient, they can win a championship. Mm -hmm. Eight games into the season, JT, I went on my show in Los Angeles, my afternoon drive show on ESPN Los Angeles, and said, I have made a huge mistake. And I got called an alarmist by my audience 
But now we're 50-something, 58 games or whatever it is into the season, and everyone clearly started to move on towards my side. And, and yeah, I just don't think that there's a real fix for this team this particular season. George Sinano joins us. What would you think of the NBA 75 and what that meant to Cleveland? You know, you just came off L.A. where you are, and they had one of the greatest halftime shows of all time led by Dr. Dre. Then we go to Cleveland and they did something really unique, and they paid tribute to the 75 greatest players to ever play. That I thought that was fantastic. It seemed like all the fans loved it, and especially Jordan coming out last. What would you think? Oh, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I tweeted this at the time, and I said, you know, it was like a combination. Like, as I've gotten older, um, I'll start here. I, I basically said, as I've gotten older, I've become a little more emotional watching these things because I think now that I'm in my early 40s, I look at the mortality portion of this, right? Because there's guys that I watched play even as a little, little kid that are no longer with us, right? That weren't there for that ceremony. And, and I think there's unfortunately going to be more the next time around in 25 years. So that kind of started to hit me. So I kind of watched it with a combination of happiness, uh, amazement, sadness, particularly with Kobe Bryant, right? And, and then just like nostalgia, you know, because you, you're like me. You grew up watching the NBA and the evolution of the NBA, and it's, it's an amazing product. Um, and, and I think that when you can see how well they did in putting that together and putting all those guys on the same floor, it's just, it's just remarkable, man. Like the NBA already does the all-star game better than anyone else. Or, you know, I mean, I think major league baseball is a close second. I mean, look, the pro bowl is a disaster, but we don't have to get into that, but, but just having that ceremony, the NBA does as good a job as anyone of marketing their current players while also embracing their past. Um, and, and I think that all the sports, for as great as they are, and we know football is king or the NFL is king, I think could learn a thing or two from the way the NBA does that. George Sedano. Okay, so you know, you knew I was going to bring this one up, and if I didn't, then you don't know me, and I know you know me. When we were kids and we missed school, we had to have a note from our mom and dad. I am mm-hmm. insisting on knowing why guys no-showed that event. I'm, I'm dead serious on this. I'm going to do a podcast with Looney on it. Nash, Bird, Carmelone, Tim Duncan, KD, had grandmother died. Get that. And I don't know all the other circumstances. Can you Russell imagine? Russell Westbrook. Yeah, there were, there were a number of guys. Yeah. Well, well let's yeah. go with the big one because you've worked with them. You've worked with them. Scottie Pippen, who I think yeah. the world of. How many rings would Jordan have without Scottie Pippen? You want to talk about a great debate. That's one of the greatest. He'd have less than being 6-0. and What do you think about the guys who didn't see the big picture enough to get their butts to Cleveland, put on their beautiful 75 blazer, and stand with those living legends? Yeah, I thought it was strange for some of those. I can understand the older uh, gentlemen not being there, right, like a couple of them. You know, whether it was COVID-related or just whatever health, maybe a health situation, right? Or just, I could understand the elderly uh, types Mm -hmm. not being there. But to your point, um, I was a bit surprised. Obviously, Kevin Durant, um, injury and the situation with his grandmother passing, like that obviously is completely understandable. Um, And, you know, barring that kind of situation, like a family situation, um, I was very surprised to not see some of those guys there because, you know, again, you're not going to have that opportunity. Like, I think you're going to look back and maybe they don't. Right. But I would look back at that and be like, man, if I were one of the 75 greatest 
anything in the world. And they were telling us to be there, like all of us in one room together, or as many of us that were alive as possible. I would do everything in my power to be there. And, you know, I, I, I feel like most of those guys that you saw there certainly felt that way. And there were, you know, a select few that, that didn't. I, 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 too, was very surprised by it. Last one for you. As you're there, you saw the buildup of the Rams building a super team. And, look, they went on a 15-play drive to win the Super Bowl. It's one of the great drives in Super Bowl history. One tip ball, one fumble, one knockdown, the Cooper Cup fourth down sprint play. If that doesn't happen, they don't win. And everybody's questioning building the super team, and they wouldn't have a Super Bowl to show for it. What do you think it does for the L.A. fan, the young L.A. fan whose dad grew up with the Raiders, the Chargers have come into that market. The Rams left and came back. It, I think it's a really important moment in L.A. sports history and how Kroenke beat Spanos for all those fans who were on the fence and brought them in to the Rams' world and, and delivered with the Super Bowl. Uh, look, you, you kind of nailed it. I, I think that in the Rams' six seasons here in Los Angeles since their return, outside of that first season with Jeff Fisher, which was, I mean – coma-inducing when you would watch them, unfortunately. Um, since Sean McVay has been here with less need, um, they've been exciting, fun, and then they started to do the thing that you need in L.A., adding stars, right? And I think that it's not just winning here, because winning certainly helps, right? But plenty of teams have won here um, and not resonated. The Angels won a World Series, and, you know, they're st- mm-hmm. I mean, they get laughed. 17 times over by the Dodgers, basically, as far as their fan base is concerned. And and you can kind of see those instances over and over and over again here in this town. But I, I think that they had the right combination. And to your point, kids love winners, man. Like, yeah. there's so many people that get attached to winning because they want to be part of a winner and, and the culture that surrounds the winner. But here's the other part of it, and I don't think this part gets talked enough about is that, yes, they added all the stars. Yes, they traded away all those first-round picks for proven players like Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford and, you know, Von Miller, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they did a really good job of drafting players in rounds two through seven because they have 28 guys on their roster that they drafted. So for all the talk about how they, you know, went out and and brought in a bunch of guys who were proven – they nailed a bunch of those picks. 28 on the roster is, is in the top five or six, I want to say, in the NFL. So Les Need, Sean McVay, that whole group has just done a fantastic job building a team that won a Super Bowl and I think can, can, can win some more Super Bowls potentially here over the next couple of seasons. Thank you, George. Always good to talk to you. All the best to you and your family. You got it, man. Take care, JT. Great talking to you. You too, buddy. Have a good weekend. George Sedano, ESPN 710. In Los Angeles, very interesting there at the end as he talked about the Rams' success in the draft. As everybody kind of throws out that the Rams got rid of all these picks to go make trades. No, the, the picks they had, they did really well with. And that's why they built the Super Bowl team. It just would have been crazier if Cincinnati would have won the Super Bowl, right? If they would have won, Cincinnati would have went from two wins to four wins to winning the Super Bowl. They had the ball late. And they could have done something. They could have tied it up. They could have won it. And they should have been able to get a stop. And they had Eli Apple on the field. <laughs> Eli Apple, single coverage on Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl. Not an exhibition game. Not practice. We're talking the Super Bowl. Eli Apple on Cooper Cup. 
You can't dream up anything like that. All right, really excited about today. Bobby, again, the best in the business to put a show like that together. That's how I get through the offseason until there's any breaking news. We'll talk about NASCAR. We'll get into the NBA. Golden Knights, hopefully, tomorrow. And then wait on some more Raider news and some exciting times with the Raider Nation coming up here. And I was in the building today, and we got some cool promotions and some things we're working on around the draft, which will be big because we're hosting the draft. And we have a flagship radio station in Vegas, host city of the draft. Man, that's going to be cool. How great is that going to be? Have a great day, everybody. Q is on deck into Vinny Bonsignor, who joined us earlier. And we'll be back to wrap it up tomorrow. And then a big rock and roll weekend here with Billy Joel and Metallica in town. Hey, maybe we'll do something fun tomorrow if you're going to the show. We could all talk about that and should be doing a remote out there. So I could just get my, get my Metallica on going in. Have a great night, everybody. Always appreciate you listening. Go check out the website, lvsportsnetwork.com. Have a great night.